welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. My name is Chris, alongside my good friend, Kevin Nakata. Kevin, what's good, man? How are you? Oh, it's going really well. I'm staring at basically the Hall of Toys in here, and we have some great guests. Can't wait to talk to them about what is behind them, all the good things that come together inside of this wonderful store. And basically, the these are the artists of our community. Um, the talent that's resonating between these two gentlemen in front of us is probably more than yours and you and I can share in one, one lifetime. No kidding. It's going to be a loaded show. But before we get into it, guys, make sure to follow us on Instagram at CCA California. Also, subscribe to the podcast. We see those numbers grow every single week. Thank you so much for all of your support, all the support that's been shown to us on the podcast. Kevin, I'm having a really, really fun time with you, man. I know. We've had a really good, uh, we've had some great conversations. Um, Our last uh, show, wow. If they haven't listened to that one, they need to start listening more often to all these episodes that we come out with, you know, including this one. Yeah. Um, You know, why don't you bring in our guests? Absolutely. Well, without further ado, we've got Micah and Monty from M&M Custom Rods. Guys, how are you guys? Good, good. Thank you. Doing good, doing good. Awesome. It's good to see you guys. Yeah. Welcome to our humble abode. Yeah. We're inside of your your store right now, M&M Custom Rods, and uh, we're... Looking literally at probably a hundred plus rod blanks behind you, um, including those candy apple ones behind you. Those are Batson rod blanks. Those are Batson. They're in a, they're a limited supply, right, Michael? Yes. Oh. They're not oh. not, not going to be available forever. Very short time. Which brings up a perfect way to um, to get people in the store. You have a limited supply of them. If you're interested in getting a custom rod, what better place to come to and get um, the knowledge from both of you and really get something tied into what they want to fish, right? I mean, that's the goal with custom rods is they want to go out there with a piece of hardware, an art, that they're going to go out there and hang a big tuna or whatever it may be, you know? Well, like we tell everybody, uh, you go out there, look, you may not catch nothing, but you're going to look good trying. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, you know, break, break down the whole process of ordering a custom rod through you guys. What? Okay, I'm going to let Micah take that one. Yeah. Well, we, f- we first, you know, talk to the customer and just see, like, what they want to go out for and then go by, like, the reel. Mm-hmm. And then, like, and then pretty much, you know, if they want some just for local stuff, a good one is a Rain Shadow. It's a 70M rated 20 to 50, seven-footer. It's perfect for, like, all-around local stuff. Mm-hmm. Then they okay, you know. Then you just go from there. Okay. You got a we have a hour long podcast. <laughs> it's okay to open up. I know and you know and you know too, Monty, that this is a way more detailed process. How much does it affect the person themselves? How much customization is built into their body style, arm length, the um the physique of someone? Like how much of all these things does it play into? I'll answer that one. When it comes to, you know, you're mentioning physique and stuff like this. Back in the beginning, when I first started, this was long before Michael was even a twinkle in my eye. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a guy would come in, we would measure him from his elbow to the tip of his longest finger. And that would be the length of your, your rear grip on your rod. It's a, it's a rule of thumb. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily, some guys like him, you know, six inches, some guys like him 12 inches. But this is usually about 17 inches, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. But these days, we've been doing it so long, I can look at you and tell exactly what you need. 
Guys, really? guys go, don't you need to measure this anymore? And it's like, no, guys. We don't need to measure you. I know what I know what you... And, and I've never had... And seriously, I've never had one complaint. Not one complaint. Everybody so, likes it. So when you say that we, you know exactly what we need, what, what does that mean? Do you, and it, mean, it means it's like... Let's just take the, the bluefin tuna rods, the big game rods right now. Every, everybody wants a 12-inch rear grip, 16-inch foregrip for, the for, for rubbing it on the rail. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then they, the only thing we got to get, get out of people, and sometimes it's hard, we find out what reel they're using. Mm -hmm. That'll tell us what pound test line they're going to use. And then... You got rods that are rated from 50 to 130, then you got some of them that are rated 80 to unlimited or 100 to unlimited. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what the guy the guy wants. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to make sure that people can hear you, that's all. So the um, when you saw Chris noticeably shorter than most people on the boats. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. <laughs> what are you thinking as far as rod length, and we're talking specifically bluefin tuna? Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. <laughs> Is he going to have an eight-foot rod that's going to lift him off the boat when he's railing his fish? <laughs> Got so many variables go into this. Age probably being one of the, the key elements here. As a guy gets older, he wants something that's easier on his body. In the beginning, it was all seven-foot rods rated 50 to 130. That's just what it was in the beginning. And now they've come up with rods rated 80 to 130, 80 to 11. It's almost, and they've gone from seven-foot to seven-and-a-half to eight-foot rods. And what most guys don't understand let the, let the boat rail do the work for you. Don't stand there and try to grit it out because you're going to kill yourself. That's what that long foregrip is on there to rub on the rail. And when the, when the boat goes down and comes back up, you reel as it's coming up. Mm -hmm. It's that old thing. You know, reel down, pull up. And that's basically all there is. I mean, it's, it's very it's simple, but it is complicated. Mm -hmm. Monty, you know, for years, I mean, obviously, we're old at, you know, 32 and 31. We're old, Chris. Yeah. yeah everyone says it. <laughs> um, hey, I'm as old as you guys put together. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, should hear what 20-year-olds say about him and I. Yeah. I mean, they really think that we're old, you know? And yeah. then everyone says, you go ahead, and what does that make me? Yeah. Makes you ancient, Monty, I'll you be, know? <laughs> I'll be 70 this year, so. Oh, wow. you see? You know, and you've been, uh, how long have you been doing this is part of this industry. How long have you been fishing? 47 years. Wow. wow. That's cool. Well, you know, going back to my question, you know, for a long time, it seemed like using the rail was like kind of like not an insult, but kind of an insult to yourself. Well, would you agree? Yes, but what you have to understand for so many up until maybe... God, I don't know how many years these bluefin have been off this coast. 2015? Right? Yeah. Something like that. I think a little before that even. I think the tuna have always been here, mm -hmm. but they never looked for them. They just ran onto them and bingo here. Hey, look what mm -hmm. we found roaming around out here. Is using the rail taboo? No, not now. Mm -hmm. Not now. It was in the beginning because everybody thought, that's cheating. That's mm -hmm. cheating. They wanted to stand at the rail. If you're doing up to a 100-pound fish, I'd say, fine. If you want to fight him standing up, fight him standing up. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, you get weaker, 
Let the boat do the work for you. Let the rod do the work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a simple thing. To each their own. Mike, Micah, how many of your customers would you say are coming in for rail rods right now? Probably 90%. Holy wow. smokes. And yeah. what, are the, what are the reels are they using nowadays to pair with a rail rod? They are using probably like an Avid EX30 all the way up to the 80s. the 80s. And then the Shimano Talica 20s to 25s. the 25s, even some 50s. So, so that's a kind of a range, though. That's not exactly the same size reel, and that's just not necessarily the same size drag either. And they're they're higher gear ratios on the Shimano versus the Avid in in some ways in some models. Does that play into the model of blank you're going to go and pick out for that person? Yes. yes. Okay, so you ask them when someone comes in first. Um, they say, "I want a rail rod for tuna." For right. bait, for a 100-pound setup, mm-hmm. your first question is, what reel do you use? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because then that would be, like, for a 100-pound setup, like a 50 to, 50 to 130 would be a perfect one for 100-pound, or even an 80 to 130. Both options. Just one's a little bit softer as it, <laughs> at the tip. And then when they're in here, since they're, they have the ability to see blanks that you're going to be working with, do you allow them to pick with, uh, with them? A blank that suits their style of fishing or their body style, et cetera. Correct. Yeah, they could pull on them here before they're even, you know, before they're even wrapped. Yeah, we haven't bend on them right here in the store. But the trouble is with that, nothing bends a rod like a fish does. Mm. Yeah. You can set, you can set here as big as I am and pull on a rod and bend it to the floor, and the fish will take it down farther than that. Right. Huh. It's just one of those things. You know, a guy comes in and says. Well, I'm only fishing for 100-pound fish. Well, what happens when you hook into that 250-pound, 300-pound fish? Mm-hmm. You're still going to land him on the lighter stuff, but it's just easier on the heavy stuff. Right. So I've, in the last few years especially, have tried to tell guys, err on the side of heaviness. Mm-hmm. Go heavier. These aren't rods that you're out there fly-lining an anchovy with or anything. Pretty much, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You're flying like a mackerel, flying fish, whatever. But just air on the side on, on big tuna only. Right. But like you know, you go back down to your smaller tuna and your yellowtail and your white sea bass and all that kind of stuff. That's when it starts getting a little more picky on what you're going to get. So that's that's only ten percent of your current customer base, right? I mean, well, we yeah, you know, ten percent's probably being a little. But it's it's just it's it's just. A, we're doing so much business on the East Coast with these big tuna that they got back there. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Ever since Wicked Tuna came out on TV, right? It's crazy. I got we got customers all up and down the East Coast. Huh. I just built a big, a big, uh, a big rod for a guy, Unlimited, that lives in Massachusetts. He's friends with all those guys up there to fish. Huh. So it just and that just leads it from him to one to another. <clears throat> it's like. We do a tremendous amount of business with the shark fishermen in Texas to fish off the beach. Really? Oh, yeah. And they use all these big rods, too. So so one thing I'm seeing a, a, a consistent pattern in with talking about these people, I'm thinking in my head roller guides. The Winthrop, I'm thinking um, beefy back end, you know, either steel butts or something like that, not full, complete butts. Are Is this... Uh, a customer that also is going to come out. Uh, that's also going to have built-in demand out here, whether it's marlin or even you know fishing, uh, trolling for big bluefin with spreader bars. It's 
Man, you're asking a, a tough question. To <laughs> I do. That's that's my job on this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the majority of the rods we built are not steel butts. Most of them are for the normal big tuna fishing. Mm-hmm. No rollers. We were just talking today. I had a guy come in yesterday, bring in a rod just to put a roller tip on. I don't even stock them anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we went and got him one and put it on for him, but we just don't stock them because we don't sell them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Everything is, you know, what they call turbo guides now. 90, per- 90 to 95% of the rods we build have turbo guides on them. Turbo, um, for people that aren't familiar with that, meaning what? It's just a heavy-duty... Like a Alps Fuji guide, like a like a standard guide that you see on most with an insert in it, not a roller. It's a heavier guide, heavier framed guide. Gotcha. It's like a one piece frame instead of a standard chrome like two piece. So going back to your initial question there on the rollers, Mm -hmm. the only ones that we really do the rollers for are the the guys like commercial guys. They're going to use rollers because they're just pounding the hell out of these rods. Not like the normal guy is going to sit there and just crank his fish in. These guys are putting wear and tear on them, backing down on them. The boat's swinging around with these big rods and stuff. They all go the big rollers. And, you know, you're talking about an average of maybe a $500 rod compared to an average of a $1,000 rod for the commercial guys. Uh, actually, question going back to the Wicked Tuna guys. Do you know if any of your rods are on TV? You know, I can't answer that question, but I would assume so. Okay. I just can't. I couldn't. I couldn't say for sure. Gotcha. But I've like, what, what, what boat is Tim Ott on? That I, I forget what boat he's on down there, but he's a friend of mine in Key West. His mm-hmm. son is the guy with the dreadlocks. Oh, okay. On uh, tuna. Oh man, it's gonna kill me. It starts with a T, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Tim. Nope. Ah. To Tony? Nope. Nope. Dang it's it's gonna this is a bad thing for us because we're on a podcast we're gonna have to pause just to think about the answer. What, was a, what are you trying to think of? The person's name with the dreads. Tim. Is it Tim? Yeah, because it's the father's Tim Senior. Oh, okay. 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 Well, they're we, both who, Tim. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Fair enough. But the, the the son has got a nickname, but I forget what the nickname. Yeah, there is a nickname. Yeah. Dang it. Okay. Well, I see Mike over there. Maybe he'll work his magic and try to figure it out. <laughs> it up right now. Find it real quick. So, so your best-selling rod uh, right now, I guess, rail rod. But overall, in the timeline of SoCal fishing, what has it been? I know it's. You said seven foot. I well, Mike, I think, said that. Going again, going back before these big tuna showed up. Okay, mm-hmm. forget about them for a minute. That's hard to do. It is, especially now. <laughs> and uh, there's always been one of my favorite things is the 9 and 10-foot jig sticks. Ooh, they, yeah. they have always been popular, always will be popular. Yellowtail fishermen love them. Even some of the big tuna guys have started using them. I don't know how you'd want to catch a 200-pound tuna on a jig stick, but some guys are... <laughs> it sounds painful. It, it is painful. They probably seek that out. They want that pain. Yeah. But I like... I. Down in Key West, you know, where I live, mm-hmm. I have all my 9 and 10-foot jig sticks down there. The guys down there have no idea what they're for. Have no <laughs> idea. I don't think they've ever seen one until I showed up. Right. Huh. Oh, but, so you brought some with you. Oh, yeah. I got, I got, I got all my everything down there. Huh. And, uh, but 7-foot rods in the beginning, that's all you ever did. 7-foot rods rated 
10 to 25, 15 to 30, 20 to 40, 20 to 50, mm-hmm. things like that were the staples for years and years and years when I started this. The 70M by Calstar, which was probably the go-to rod for a gazillion years. That was probably, and it was rated 20 to 50. Everybody had to have one, two, three, or four of them. Hmm. And then all of a sudden the jigs, the longer rods started coming on the eight, eight and a half, nine footers. Then they popped up to these tens, which just, they went crazy on the nine and tens. Everybody had to have one, and they still do. So when you're building a 10-foot rod, when you're custom wrapping a 10-foot rod, having personal experience wrapping rods, I can, I can, I can see a 10-footer being a problem because the tip becomes very um, wobbly. It becomes very uh, difficult to get a nice detailed wrap out of. Do you find that uh, to be a, a, a thing? You want me to answer that one? No. Like just to wrap it, like towards down towards the tip. Yeah. We just add more like track braces, like these. Gotcha. So it's not so whippy, but I know what you yeah I know what you mean. And, and if someone wasn't inside the store, just to describe what what we're seeing, Chris and I, and you're sit, you're basically leaning over. There's tracks on a brass colored. Um, I'm guessing that's aluminum, it's not aluminum track. Aluminum track that has rolling. Uh, devices that basically retain them and hold the rod in position that has a series of three or four round pulleys or plastic washers, however you want to describe it. Um, Is this uh, a setup that most custom manufacturer, rod manufacturers will see? Absolutely. Okay. That's pretty much, there's a lot of different companies that make these machines and stuff. Um, they don't make this one anymore. They, don't, they, they quit making this, which these are the ones we love the most. Of course. I'm, I'm babying this baby because I've had it for like 30 years. <laughs> oh, wow. Can't even get the motor anymore, so when it goes, Holy it smokes. goes. But like Batson's came out with some really good stuff, mm-hmm. and we're starting to switch over to Batson. Excellent. In my shop down in, in Florida, I have nothing but Batson stuff down there. So. Huh. So you you have two locations, one or more? Is this the? I have. We have. This is really the only location. Uh-huh. I built a shop, a full-on rod shop, beside my house. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. And uh, when Mike is super busy, he has stuff sent down there, and I build it and I box it up and send it back to him. Hmm. Oh, wow. So uh, I help him catch up, and then I've been getting. A few more customers. I don't go looking for them down there, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm getting a, picking up a few customers. Huh. I imagine. Yeah. So, so with the advent of braid um, being a thing now, mm-hmm. does that affect the way people decide or you decide to help um, the custom rod buyer decide on what blank they should be buying? I'm going to back up for a little bit since you mentioned braid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when braid first came out, it was made. It was made. And it was so abrasive. It it would notch the chrome plated brass guides, the stainless steel guides. It, it would notch them. I must have replaced thousands of guides. Really? But then they learned how to. Uh, what do you want to call it? What's the word? It's not smooth. Made it polish. They learned how to polish braid line. And now you could put it on any kind of guide you want to, and it's not going to hurt it. Hmm. But it ruined thousands upon thousands upon thousands of guides. 
Really? It was it was great for me. Yeah, I'm about to say, <laughs> keep your business going here. Yeah, it was like it was like heyday there for a while. Yeah, guys were bringing in ten rods at a time just to get a, new guides put on them, mm-hmm. and just big old grooves in the bottom of them. But far as going, the question was, does it affect the, the style of guide a rod? You mean a blank? Yes, blank. Um, not so much because in the past few years they've come out with braid from eight-pound test, I don't know whether that's right or not, all the way up into the hundreds. Mm-hmm. So you just have to make sure that the rod is going to accept the pound, the pound test braid you're going to put on it. Hmm. If a rod's rated to 130, you don't really don't want a 100-pound braid's probably going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Some guys will argue that and say, put 200 on it. Whatever, it's basically the... I've argued to this point forever with some guys, but some guys, when it comes down to it, what you want is what you want, and what you want is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're here to serve you. All we can do is voice our professionalism on what's going on, and uh, hopefully people listen. Mm-hmm. I would say 9 out of 10 people listen. I, I would imagine. I mean, they, you must select your blanks based on your own reflection and, and education. And also time using them, probably, um, that it gives enough people to go in the right direction right off the bat versus having to do trial and error for years and years. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's to the point now where guys come in. I had a guy come in this afternoon and order a, a, a rod, and he goes, here's what I'm going to do with it. Build it. <laughs> I go, well, you want, you want to pull on the black? No, he says, you tell me what I need. He says, I don't know what I need. He goes, I'm to the point where I need to quit guessing and listen to people that know what they're talking about. And uh, so, but we, you know, I try to help the guys as much as I can. Most people listen. Some people don't. I'm sure it's that way in any type of business, but Mm -hmm. we try our best to please everybody, you know, but... Once in a while, you get a hard-headed guy in there. <laughs> Seems oh, to be yeah. a common thing in the fishing industry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So a question for you, Micah. Um, obviously, Monty's your dad. Um, yes. What kind of led you to kind of follow in his footsteps in, in the whole shop and running the shop pretty much full-time now? It was probably maybe like eight or nine years ago. He was thinking about like full-on like retiring, selling, just getting rid of it. And mm-hmm. I was like, No. <laughs> pretty much like you just can't you know let somebody else take over and you know maybe just you know destroy the name or na- rename it completely mm-hmm. i was like you know let me give it a try and i've been around it you know my whole life and i really you know when i was younger i really didn't care for it you know i would just you know i would come in on the weekends and help mm-hmm. and then you know i was start, I, had a, I started getting a family and i was like i need to kind of you know Settle down. Settle down, get a career going. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped in, and it was hard at first. It was really hard. Yeah. But then I just fell in love with it, and then just, I'm here now. Nice. And how long have you been managing the shop? Probably. Eight or nine years. Yeah, eight or nine years, yeah. Okay. Like when I pretty much jumped in is when he kind of like retired and pretty much just 
went to Florida and said, here's the keys. Good luck. <laughs> what, what a time to come into it. Literally just, well, two or three years before the bluefin stuff showed up. And now you have so much pent up demand, I'm sure, yeah. to get something made in the rod, rail rod style, whatever else they may need in the bluefin tuna world. It's Here's the biggest problem that we face. Micah does, I do, anybody in this business, not just us, the other rod manufacturers, I mean rod builders too. Nobody gets anything done in the wintertime. Hmm. They wait until the fish bite, then they want everything. Of course. But it's like right now we have, I don't know, probably 90 rods going. Wow. Uh, are those like order sheets right that's, there? I just noticed that's that. That's partial. And then those yeah. are... All this. Those are all for customers. Holy oh my gosh. Then I have at least 20 of these new orders laying here on my bench right now. <laughs> and some of the orders, we got guy guys coming in like the last couple of days. Well, we need to order 22 rods. Oh, <laughs> we need to do this. We need to do that. And I'm going, holy crap. Why are you guys in the wintertime when we're sitting here going like this? Right. I mean, we're never that slow. But Like, uh, I don't know, Bloody Decks, a guy from their website came in and we're doing... 30 rods for bloody decks. Wow. They just dropped off like five of them and doing like sets of fives. Okay. No, that's awesome. But yeah. Yeah. They teamed up with a American Tackle and we're doing like 30, 30 or so rods. For that's them. awesome. Huh. So that was just. Yeah, we know, like Holly. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah. So they just you know, dropped those off, you know. But it's like. like out it's... of the blue. Like, here, you want to. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's just it's getting crazy. That's, that's, that's a lot. I mean, you, and you guys are doing that um, basically yourselves for now? Yes. Two of us. Two of you. Wow. I mean, with all these orders and just two of you, I mean, what's the turnaround rate? Well, here's kind of the thing depends. right now. The turnaround rate is great because we can't get everything to build everything. When a guy comes in, if we got everything, probably four weeks. Okay. That's if, still pretty good. Yeah. If, if, we, if we have everything in stock or readily accessible. Right. But there's a lot of lot of blanks that we're waiting on. There's a lot of guides we're waiting on. But we tell everybody that comes in, you have to understand. You've got to be patient. Mm-hmm. You've got to be. We'll gladly take your order. We want to work. We want to. We want to do your job for you. Mm-hmm. But we're not lying to you when we say we can't get your blank right now, right. or we can't get your guides right now, mm-hmm. or your real seat. They, the guy wants a blue real seat. And we called today to get a blue reel seat from Batson, and they said, end of June, oh, to wow. get a blue reel seat. Huh. So you just, that's where, that's the things we're up against right now. Mm-hmm. But that's why you asked, too, why were, where were those people in winter when yeah. they could have gotten those components a bit more readily available? Yeah, it's like. Well, I'll just say this. Like, I took an order the other day for a guy who wanted a spinning rod. Mm-hmm. We had all the stuff to make the spinning rod, so he, or he ordered it last week. But then there's people that have been on order for like two months. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's just the way. Like, why wait two months to build this guy's rod when I have everything right now? Right. So it's just the way. I mean, we can't build the way it, it is unless we have, have the material. Yeah, that's true. But I was able to build this guy's spinning rod that ordered, you know, like last week or so, mm-hmm. and then he'll get it. And know, I just soon. want everybody out there to know that we're not lying to you when we tell you we can't get the stuff. You're not alone, though, in, in right now. That's a stress that most people are facing, yeah. you know. So. And it's not just in the fishing industry. It's everywhere. Yeah. You're correct, right. Concrete. Yeah. Yeah. I got, a, I got a very good buddy down in Key West that owns a Nissan dealership. Mm-hmm. He can't get cars. Yeah. He's got, he normally has 80 cars on his lot. 
He had four when we left. So it's just, it, it, it trickles into all, yeah. into everything. Hell, baby, uh, people can't get baby formula right now. Yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, shout out to the spinning rod guys. They can come down to M&M and go get themselves <laughs> a spinning rod done pretty quick. I'm one of them, so I'll take that offer, man. That's it's like awesome. That, it's like down in Key West, about all we do is spinning down uh-huh. there. We've had this conversation a couple of times now on this podcast. I was going to say, so, you know, with you guys, um, you know, Micah being, you, you know, you being in San Diego, have you received a lot more uh, orders for spinning rods in the past compared to uh, oh, you yeah. know, years ago? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Because yeah. before are we never used to stock, if you guys know we've ever been in here, we have a whole wall of rods that are usually available. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think there's two or three up there that are like spinning rods ready to go. Uh-huh. And But before, we never... This pretty much just ordered as if you needed. Right. But yeah, we just spinning rods. So spinning rods are making a... Uh... And they're heavy, like it, 40 it is... to 80s, 50 to 100. Oh, wow. So, yeah. yeah. Spinning rods are an East Coast thing. For sure. And it's just starting to trickle out here a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's catching on. You must see a lot of uh, spinning gear in, in Key West. That's all. Yeah. You <laughs> could, I mean, there's... Between my excuse me, between Homestead, Florida, and Key West, where I live, there's forty-two thousand fishing boats. Forty-two thousand fishing boats. Yachts, smokes, commercial boats, everything else. There's forty-two thousand boats, huh. and uh, I'm going to say forty-one thousand of those boats are probably all spinning rods. <laughs> they troll with them. That makes. They troll with spinning. They troll rods? with them. They throw jigs with them. I can't get the hang of this because, <laughs> and they look at me and they go, "Monty, what are you fishing with? What is that kind of reel?" A ten foot jig stick. Ten foot jig stick with Shimano Tranks 500s on them. There you yeah. go. Yeah, and that's my go-to setup. I got a bunch of them, but uh, it's funny. It's every I've, I repair rods quite a bit down there for guys. Mm-hmm. And, all spinning gear. Monty, with you being in Key West, are you establishing the surface iron down there? <laughs> a lot of guys look at me like, what in the hell are you using? <laughs> you know? Oh, Piece sorry. of metal. Sorry. No, that's good. Uh, that's totally fine. So so surface irons, though, what are you using it for? Well, they have pretty much everything down there like we have here. A big One of the big fish down there. Dorado's a big game fish down there. Okay. Wahoo's a big game fish. Oh, okay. Very big. Um, grouper. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't catch grouper on surface irons, but use a lot of irons for grouper. Amberjack, which is kind of like our yellowtail. The yellowtail, here. yeah. Uh, everything eats it, but it's just nobody down there has ever used it enough to where everybody's familiar with it. Because, I mean, I get guys down there. In my own tackle box, I have nothing but black jigs. I use no, nothing but black, don't I, Mike? Mm-hmm. Black jigs. All, black all jigs. All I have. But black um, painted black surface iron. Black surface iron, black painted yo-yo jigs. Everything, every jig in my box is black. Why, why is that? And you could ask good old Jeff from OCT uh-huh. <laughs> what color Monty fishes with. He'll tell you. <laughs> but... Uh, so, so he has a Monty-colored jig then? Yes. A black, black anodized jig. Yes. Huh. So, but it's, it's funny. Everybody asks me, why are you hooked on black? 
Well, stop and think about it for a minute. Fish, are, are, they can only see in black and white. It's a proven fact. Fish can only see in black and white. So if you throw a red or a green jig at them, what are they seeing? Black and white. Grayscale. Yeah, they're yeah. seeing the grayscale. All they're seeing. So a black jig going through the water, they just see the movement. They don't see the jig itself. They just see the boat, the bubble stream, if you will. Mm-hmm. They see the jig moving. All they know is, I'm going to kill that. I have outfished more guys. This kid will tell you he's seen me do it with the black jigs. Have you seen him do it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can you give us an example of how much out he outfished people on a boat? A yellowtail trip. Perfect example. That's my fish. That's, yeah. That's yeah. my fish. Yellow okay. fish. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. All day. <laughs> That's the only thing I missed. Cast down out, there. reel yeah. in, cast out, reel in. Yeah. What's What's your favorite boat? Your own? I don't have my own boat. Mm. I used to fish on the American Angler a lot. Okay. Okay. Great boat, great people. So that was one of my favorite. Uh, Art Taylor on the on the Searcher. Mm-hmm. One of my dear friends. Great fisherman. Great guy. Great boat. And uh, the Independence, there are, there's a many, many, many good boats. But to, to nail it down, a favorite, my favorite, I did a 10-day charter for 15 years straight on the American Angler. <coughs> and uh, had a great time. Mm-hmm. But then it just came time to uh, part ways, and that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the Yellowtail trip, specifically for around here, what's your... Go to place. Is it local or is it Coronados or is it Patties? What do you prefer? All of the above. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. not just anywhere. There's Yellowtail. I got no problem fishing Yellowtail off the pier if you want me to. <laughs> they're there. I, they're there. <laughs> Believe me, they're there. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's. I do like fish in Mexico a lot. Mm-hmm. The farther down, the better. All right. I like Guadalupe. I like Laos Rocks. You know all those, all those islands I love. Mm. So. Quick question. What's your personal best yellowtail? 72 pounds. 72 pounds? 72 on the surface pounds. iron? I don't remember whether it was on a surface iron or not. I don't remember. I think it was at Guadalupe. I know it was at Guadalupe. Not Guadalupe, but uh, oh my gosh. Alijos? No, where the salt mine is. Cedros. 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 72 was, at Cedros? Yes, it was at the southern end where it's only... Yeah, foot deep in water right there. Yeah, and kelp everywhere. Yep, the high spot. We with that day when I caught him, I think we had twenty fish over sixty. Seriously? Oh yeah. Oh my god. And that was that was on on the uh, on the uh, yeah. I don't know. It's on a five day of some sort. Ten day. Ten day. I only did ten days. There's it's not a yellowtail. Not a yellowtail, but there's my uh, good old black sea bass. Oh, wow. Oh, picture's nice. actually at Mitch's. Oh, really? Hanging, Hanging on yeah. the wall over there. Oh, all right. Next time I go over there, I'll have to yeah. look for it. Mitch's seafood, but, yeah. Yeah. It's when, it, it, he was more uh, dark-haired in the beard <laughs> over there. Watch it, kid. <laughs> so... Maybe maybe that's why he still fishes a black jig. Is that a, you know, right? nostalgia for his <laughs> old color, beard color? Everybody has tried to... I've had other companies offer me all the jigs I want just to promote their jigs. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to promote any jig that I don't believe in. Uh-huh. And I probably would probably, 
like everybody says, Monty, you're a good enough fisherman. You'll probably catch fish on any jig you throw. Mm-hmm. That is true. I'll probably catch, but I won't catch as many. Mm-hmm. I can throw white and catch fish. I can throw pink and catch fish. Black ones are something about black. It's, and down in, in Key West, it's the same thing. I throw the black, I catch fish. More huh. than anybody else on the boat. I'll admit I have never seen a black jig tied on. Yeah. On a boat. I have I, one. I don't think I've fished it. <laughs> yeah, but I have an easy, I have a jig bucket uh-huh. that has, I think it holds roughly 50 or 60 jigs, and every jig in it is black. Wow. Huh. I'm still... I'm still shocked at 60 pound yellowtail at Cedrus. 72. 72. Forget the I 60s. We're talking there at 12 pounds. Oh my god. The goodness. biggest one I've ever seen caught was at Guadalupe Island. I'm sure. And you want to know how big it was? No. You guys aren't going to believe me, but I was there to see it. Was it 93? No, it was 105. On the qualifier 105. Oh my god. By one of the deckhands. So why wasn't this fish weighed for the world record? I don't. You know, I, I can't tell you the reason. Huh. I don't. Maybe it was. I don't know. Is there a picture of it? Have you seen I'm a picture? Sure, oh, I, I was there, so. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, the mental picture. Yeah. <laughs> the thing was. 105 pounds. Its head was so deformed. That's from being old. <laughs> I don't know how old that fish was, but he had to be old. Yeah. 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 But he was huge. He, he was taller than I am. Huh. Yeah. I could hold it like this, and his tail would go like that. I mean, you're not you're not a short wow. person like the one on my right here. You know, we're talking. You're, you're definitely pretty tall, so yeah. that's a big fish. Uh, Are you done with the short chokes today? Th- thanks. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ever since ever since ever since um, uh, Darren started bringing him up, I feel like I just really took off with it. So my you bad. Just, you just have to do it now. I just had to. Shout out to Darren Creel over there at uh, Podcast Doc Talk. So. Yeah. Yeah. But um. <laughs> yeah, so so Micah, what's your favorite species to chase after? I like yellowtail too. Oh yeah? Yeah. Specifically with surface iron, yellow Surface iron, yeah. Pretty much just I he taught you know, he taught me so I just mm-hmm. followed. Yeah. Is there anything better than catching a yellowtail on the surface iron? No. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> you got I that agree. <laughs> that was quite a def- defined no. <laughs> there is something about cooking any fish on a jig. The jig's going this fast, the fish is going that, and it just stops mm-hmm. for a few seconds. It just stop. Everything, the world just stops yeah. until that fish decides what he's going to do. Oh. That's, that is exactly what happens. The world stops mm-hmm. for that brief I'll second the hookup is about to begin. I'll little thing about catching wahoo. And uh-huh. This was on the Red Rooster many, many moons ago, probably 16, 17 years ago with Andy Cates. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't even remember where we were. A friend of mine used to make jigs, just conversation pieces out of old, excuse my French here, but bastard files. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows what a bastard file is. Mm-hmm. An actual file. He just cut off that little sharp end, he drilled a hole in each end, put rings in it, put a hook on it. And so I decided to take one of these fishing on the Red Rooster. And so we were fishing Wahoo, and we were doing okay on the Wahoo. And my Uncle D, God rest him, was there with me at this time. And my Uncle D goes, why don't you try that old bastard file, just for shits and giggles. I said, okay, let's do it. So I brought it out. I hooked 13 Wahoo in a row, not one cast in between them. 
and not fish, not one wahoo was under 75 pounds. Oh. Not one. The, 12, the 13th one, my Uncle D hadn't caught one yet, uh-huh. so I hooked it and handed it to him. Wow. <laughs> Those are pretty heavy. I mean, they're not exactly the lightest thing out there. What, the jig? The, yeah, well, the file. Oh, yeah, they're heaviest. You know what? Yeah. yeah. They're very, very heavy. Right. But uh, and we finally ended up losing that file, so. Oh. But, uh, Interesting. Know, 13 Wahoo without a, with 75 nothing in between, pounds. Nothing mm-hmm. in between. Huh. And everybody's just looking at me like, what is he doing? Right. What is he doing? <laughs> Start start to it's maybe it's time to to bring that back. Yeah, maybe I can make a business out of it. Maybe bring them in the store. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, we'll keep people informed about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of the store, Monty, if you don't mind, let, let's go back in time. How you know what kind of led you to this location that we're sitting in right now? Well, I'll kind of start at the beginning for you. Uh-huh. I was stationed in the army in Key West, Florida, from 1972 to 70 whatever it was, six, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I worked 24 hours on and 72 hours off while I was in the Army on a missile base. Mm-hmm. And I'd go fishing on my days off. And, but I always spent a lot of time in a tackle store down there. And so finally the guy, I can't even remember the guy's name that I work for now, but anyhow, he goes, if you're going to hang around here so much, you, got, you might as well earn some keep. I need somebody to fix rods. Hmm. I said, I don't know how to fix rods. He says, I'll teach you. I said, well, okay. I didn't have nothing better to do. So I had a table in the back set up kind of like this. And uh, he taught me how to do it. And one thing led to another. Came back to California after I got out of the Army. I opened up a store in the San Fernando Valley. It's called Monty's Fishing Tackle in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, there for quite a while, and then ended up moving down to San Diego. Got down here. Uh, 1987 is the actual opening day for M&M Custom Fishing Rods, or mm-hmm. opening year, I should say. And uh, we've uh, had three stores in San Diego, two of them in Lakeside, and then we'd always wanted a store down here in, you know, in Point Loma. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find a place that we could afford. And so finally ran on to this place, and it was, everything was just, the stars were aligned at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we've been here about 15 years now, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Been here about 15 years. Nice. But it's just one thing led to another, and, you know... It's just been it's been a great it's been a great run. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that Micah has taken over uh, because I like he said before I was I'm more interested in selling it and just going to Florida and living yeah. a happy life, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But no, it's it's good. It's, it's been good. So over the last 15 years of the shop, I'm sure, you know, obviously the big bluefin have been a big change, but I'm sure you probably have seen big changes in, you know, certain guys' style of rods and, you know, how the way, you know, how people fish and all that stuff. You've probably seen a lot over the last 15 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything from, there's so many more blank manufacturers there now, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, not so many good ones. But the, <clears throat> I'll give a shout out to Bill Batson, 
you know, with rain shadow blanks. Yeah. To me, the best of the best. Calstar in its day was the best of the best. Um, won't go into any other ones, but uh, guides have been a big change through the years. Mm-hmm. I can remember 15 years, <laughs> 15 years ago that all we did was roller guides all the time. Mm-hmm. Just roller guides, roller guides, roller guides. Everybody trolled with roller guides for, you know, just the elephant tuna. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the bluefin show up and, and roller guides went by the wayside. We don't even stock any. I'll get them if I need them. For better or for worse? In my opinion, for better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot better, I think. Number one, you don't have to worry about rollers freezing up on you. You don't have to worry about line getting between the roller and the frame mm-hmm. when you're on a big fish. And very seldom do you ever get your line wrapped around a regular tip or you will on a roller guide once in a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's still a few hardcore guys out there that like their roller rods for trolling. But even that being said, I'm going to f- go out on a limb here and say 80% of the guys have went to just the turbo guides for even their trolling stuff, their bait stuff, everything. We're doing tr- the turbo guides down to the smaller 10, 15, 20, and 30-pound bait sticks now. We've just use smaller smaller turbos. But turbos are a big, big, probably the biggest change I've ever seen mm-hmm. in guides. Because there's always been the old chrome guides. Everybody knows what those are. And uh, it's just getting to a point where you don't see much of that stuff anymore. Hmm. It's like guys come in now and they have a broken guide. You can't get it anymore. So most of them will end up redoing the whole rod just so it looks the same. Hmm. So it's just... Yeah, guides have changed, blanks have changed. The graphite has just been a phenomenal thing in the in the blank field. Mm-hmm. Graphite is unbelievable. They've come out with so many different variations of this graphite, that graphite, blah 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 blah. It's 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 been well. It's it's the best thing that ever happened to fishing. Those graphite rods. Why do you say that? Why is it the best thing to happen to fishing? Lightweight, and you can get them in fast taper. And for anybody out there that doesn't know what fast taper means, <clears throat> you take a lot of your rain shadow blanks, your Calstar blanks, Phoenix blanks, just about anybody's blanks, they make fast taper. There's parabolic and there's fast taper. Parabolic means it bends throughout from the handle throughout the whole rod. Fast taper means just the tip of the rod bends. And you'll see, like, on Rain Shadow and Calstar the most, the majority of the rod is gray. Mm -hmm. The rest of the rod, from about 18 inches of the tip, is fiberglass. And if I put it in your hand, I'll tell you to hang on to it, I'll tell you to pull up, and you'll see it. The only place it bends is where that black fiberglass is. And that's called fast taper. You have more pulling power on the fish with a fast taper rod. Mm Mm-hmm. Parabolic means it just keeps bending, 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 and bending. That's where those old jig sticks, and they still do that to this day, those old jig sticks, but that's just part of the mystique of that rod. Mm-hmm. So are, are more jig sticks nowadays in the 10 to 9-foot range, even 8.5, are they starting to become more graphite? Yes. Okay. So that makes them lighter? Makes them lighter, yeah. 
All right. And, and possibly thinner? Uh, in some instances, yes. Just mainly lighter. Okay. Graphite's lighter than fiberglass. Does it affect the cast the castability of a jig? Does the full fiberglass give any benefit to throwing a jig? I'm the I'm the hard question guy, aren't I? <laughs> no, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're now you're, you're you're talking in my wheelhouse, jig sticks. Absolutely. I would probably prefer to throw cut jigs on a fiberglass rod, the long rods, not the short ones, but the long ones, the nine and. Nine I don't, ten. I don't fish too many eights, but nines and tens I love. Okay. But I would probably fish them because you can cast. Being a little more parabolic, you can get a little more whip on your jig and cast them farther. And you carry blanks in the store and make ten to nine to ten foot jig sticks regularly for customers. Now you're asking another question. <laughs> <laughs> we we want to, but here's in the last three years with the freight problem. Yeah. Like the last three or four years, freight has become an issue with blanks. Shipping. Oh, yeah. Shipping. Mm-hmm. Getting them here. Now, it's like Bill Batson called me today, and he said, I'm coming down the end of June. What do you want in eight, nine, and ten-foot sticks? So we gave him a big order today, and mm-hmm. he's going to bring them down, and that way it don't cost us anything. Mm-hmm. We'll go through those like this. And uh, it's just... Oh, yeah, and Batson does make a 10-foot rod now. Really? Yeah. Yes. Are those already claimed? Do you have orders already placed for those? No, because nobody knows about it. If if anyone is listening to this right now and wants a 10-foot jig stick, you better get down to M&M and you custom rods and come and place an order for a 10-foot jig stick. I'm putting in my order right now. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Tell them just the thing to do. You're telling them. Let's hear it. Yeah, just... Come down, place the order. The blanks are not going to get here till the end of June. Mm-hmm. So don't think you're going to get your jig stick in the next 30 days. Mm-hmm. So I can still add on to that order with Bill as many times as I want to mm-hmm. until he runs out of blanks, which he does sometimes. But, uh, yeah, no. Has, has the freight or the shipping of 8, 9, and 10-foot sticks always been an issue? Or no, is it just no, super no, no. Exp- back when I Going back 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You could order ten foot jig sticks, and they come down with the rest of your stuff, and it, it costs forty or fifty bucks to get a big old tube of rods, the blanks down here. Mm-hmm. Right now, to, sh- to f- ship anything over eight foot, it'll cost you minimum hundred fifty bucks, wow. just in shipping. One rod. One wow. rod. If you want to do a ten foot, you can't do. T- you can do up to what is it? Up to eight foot. Eight foot, yeah. Eight foot. Via, we switched over from FedEx to the mail. Because uh-huh. mail is, is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. A little bit slower, but a hell of a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. But uh, A lot slower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah, FedEx and UPS was outrageous. I mean, they're crazy. They're crazy. So, Micah, you know, when it comes to, since we're on the topic of shipping and all that stuff, um, traveling, you know, we're, there's plenty of other places other than San Diego to go fishing and all that. And most guys like to bring their rods with them, um, you know, Mexico, wherever. What, would, what kind of guidance would you give to kind of most protect your rods in either sleeves or tubes or anything like that? Is there a trick to it? Pool noodles. Really? Yep. Huh. Like a dollar like, store, just get a razor blade, slice them down the middle. Put, put wrap them up and tape them. Okay. 
Which that makes sense. Keep them from bouncing. And then uh, when you pack them or ship them or whatever, do them uh, tip to butt. Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of right. like you know. They're mm-hmm. thought if you tip to butt. You get more in a tube, or well, you'll get more in a tube, and also if rods shift back and forth in there, mm-hmm. if you got both butt caps showing, one going this way, one going this way, you're not going to break anything in there, and it's going to bounce back and forth on butt caps. Right. Okay. So yeah, just you know, pool noodles, or go to like uh, Home Depot, get some that insulating stuff for like pipes. It's like black. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pool noodles are work phenomenal. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. How many how many people come in here with um, broken guides and need replacements? Is that like a regular? Oh, we probably business? do. I don't, sometimes twenty five, thirty repairs a week. Oh, really? Sometimes more. What's yeah. the, what's the average turnaround time depending on your? We other get orders? Got, we get we get those done really quick for guys. Like a week, okay. to two weeks. Yeah. Depends if we need to order the guide or some guys really want the stuff to match, mm-hmm. or some guys just whatever whatever works just wrap it black. I don't we'll get a lot mean. of guys that are flying in to go on long-range trips or driving across, and they get here in, in their tubes of, when they unwrap them. <laughs> this is two days before their trip. I was right. going to say. And they'll, they'll, have th- they'll have five guides snapped off from their trip. Oh, my oh. And they'll come what? running over here, and uh, can you do it? Yeah, we do it for them. It's possible to get it at last minute. Yeah. I can, we can do them overnight. I mean... You know, we try to be as fair as we can on the price of it, but we do. Uh, there's a little bit of an ex, <laughs> a little bit of a cost. An expedited um, uh, get her done fee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's nothing yeah. elaborate, but I mean, most guys have at that point just wanted to get their damn thing fixed. That's all. I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. guys are probably spending fortunes just to go out on those boats and, if and they I'd want them. Eight times out of ten, we can match their rods pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Sometimes yeah. there's older rods where they have thread on it that's not made anymore, uh-huh. which we can't do anything about. Or guides that aren't made anymore. Or guides like, that aren't made, so we have to come to the closest thing. Like but when a guy's guy getting... Oh, yeah, that's... That, that's Chris, is that oh, your wow. rod? Did you bring that in? <laughs> <laughs> like that one, I'm trying to find guides for that guy. Oh, my goodness. But when a guy's getting yeah. ready to go on a trip and he needs something fixed, he really don't care. He's going on a trip with that? That's yeah. interesting. It's old huh. saber. Huh. How many of those old, older blanks, those older rods, do you have come in? A like, lot. Really, true lines, sabers. Line. I just did a full rewrap did a full on a re-wrap true line. Today. Wow. What, what's your guys' favorite old school blank? If you had to pick yeah. one. Tell them what mine is. This is true line. Yeah. Yeah. Really? What, what the D8 or anything? Oh. Hey, whatever. Oh, now you're talking. But anything. <laughs> I have a very big collection of true line rods and blanks. Huh. I've got true line blanks that have never been wrapped. And I've been offered astronomical amounts of money, and I tell everybody, until I'm starving to death, mm-hmm. and God knows you can tell I'm not, <laughs> you're, nobody's going nobody's to get them. Yeah. So, no well, true lines. I mean, there's a lot of people that listen to this show. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. I mean, let's put it this way. There's a, there's a price on everything, guys, but uh, you're going to have to add a couple of zeros on the end of some of these to get me to part with some of this stuff. Extra zeros, yeah. I've known some true line hunters that were pretty hardcore, oh, yeah. that were really into it. And every guy that brings a true line, you can ask Mike of this, and it's funny. Every guy that brings a true line in here to get repaired, mm-hmm. I try to buy it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sometimes I succeed. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is it about this? What about that rod? What, why do you hunt it them? It was the go-to rod of its time. All fiberglass, heavier than 
you know what, uh -huh. very heavy. Um, <clears throat> had the weirdest ratings on them. I mean, you'll, there's rods that are rated 10 to 80. You know, I just saw on your Instagram as I was coming down here that there was a 10 to 80 That's rated what rod. That's I just rewrapped. Really? Yeah. Oh. So what blank is that? It's, uh, it's like a... Four, four something, four XC or something. Yeah. Uh, that's what they it had. Have the, the weirdest on it. names and huh. the weirdest. Well, I don't know how they came up with their stuff. I think somebody was smoking something. <laughs> <laughs> so Monty, perfect segue. You know, obviously, a lot of your business is custom and all that. What's the weirdest request you've ever gotten for a rod? This is back when I had my uh, store in Lakeside, uh -huh. and my first store in Lakeside. A guy comes in one day, he's an existing customer, been for a long time, and he brings in, I don't know, his son or son-in-law, and he says, my boy here wants to get this rod rewrapped, but he's got a special request, mm -hmm. and uh, me and my Uncle D were sitting there, and, and I said, okay, tell me what you got going. He says, well, I need it wrapped in all black. But I have a very special request. He says, you do special finishes and stuff, right? And I go, yeah. I mean, we can do marbling, all that kind of thing. He says, you've never done one of these, I guarantee it. And I said, okay, what is it? He breaks out this white envelope. And I look inside of it, and there's red hair in it. Jesus, I remember this. Oh, <laughs> remember this no. is a real story? Yeah, this is, a, real, this real. is a true story. <laughs> I made the rod. The hairs... Were his girlfriend's pubic hairs. Oh! <laughs> That's a strange request. I think we'll keep that one. Yeah. I think we'll keep that one. But, and I'm, and I'm told, I gotta touch these. <laughs> but you have to take them. It's like when I do when I do when I do glitter on rods. You take it on your finger and you kind of go like this. And so you did oh. this, Rod? You made this? I, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where's oh. pictures? Come yeah, on. I've got pictures, but I have no idea where yeah. they're <laughs> I've got pictures somewhere. Oh, my gosh. But How we, old were you when this, a when when this came through, Micah? I'm probably middle school. Oh. Yeah, I, I remember it. Yeah. Did you help him wrap the rods? No. <laughs> but that was, that was definitely the... The weirdest one. Oh. That's pretty weird. But we've done, yeah. uh, like, people have brought in, like, ashes of, like, their grandparents oh, or, like, a oh, father. Okay. We've, we've done we've, that. We've done that. Really? Mix uh, it in the coating. Yeah. Huh. Well, so what about animal skins? Aside from rattlesnakes. You ever done like, any I of those? I wanted us to make a, a handle with alligator. Really? But we couldn't. We couldn't get it to work. It was just too I was going to say, is rough. that even possible? Well, it would be possible, but it's. It's not economically feasible. Yeah, it was just, I see. Yeah, too too stiff and mm -hmm. yeah, it just, just didn't want to. Didn't look right. It just yeah. If you could blend the seam together where it ends, uh -huh. it'd be good. But we tried everything, cutting it this that. It just didn't look good. So wow. Huh. I have a I have a more um, PC <laughs> topic to go over. Yeah, you're never going to hear another one like that, are you? No, I, I would have to say that's a highlight. Rapper out there in the land that, that could come close to that. We one. might have to that, make that our like. That's a new one on the podcast. We might have to sure. make that our segment that we post on social media. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but it is 100% the truth. I wow. You. you know, you didn't, both you, both of you did not stop that story, like, and you just went through it like it was just normal. So if I my, believe if it. If my wife was here, 
She would she would vouch for it too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Family affair on that one. <laughs> and no, I haven't used no, never okay. mind. <laughs> um going into you know, the next generation. Mm-hmm. You have old guys like Chris and I, thirties, you know, sub low thirties actually. <laughs> and uh, Micah, I'm not gonna ask your age. We don't want to put you in our old gr- age group. You're so you're you're not as old as us. I mean you're right yeah, there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So what what's gonna happen here when we have twenty year olds trying to get into the industry? You do you see them having a bit of a hardship jumping into this and, and trying to make it um as far as a business, you you know, making money? Here's the reason only thing I can give you an answer to on this is why the when I'm long gone, why I know this kid right here, Micah, will make a go of it very well. He's learned the majority of what he... God, this makes me a little, a little teary-eyed a little yeah. bit. He's done so darn well at learning new techniques, taking it upon himself to look at whatever you call these things, Instagram, Facebook, whatever the hell they are. I have no idea about computers. But he's taken some of these raps that this kid comes up with, blow me away. The trouble with today's kids, they want everything handed to them. They don't want to work for it. That's my opinion. I don't think there's going to be enough, enough people like Micah coming along in the next generation. <clears throat> I could foresee this becoming a lost art except for a few great guys. Because mm-hmm. even all the guys that I know that are of my age and are still rapping, most of them have sons or daughters or stuff, and they're not even interested in anything. Now, Micah's son, my grandson, obviously... He's pretty darn good at it too. He's he's picking up on it. He likes to play around with it. How old is he so, right now? How old is he? Seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, okay. So three generations of rod wrapping. Yeah. So I mean, so he, far he he yeah. might. I think he's more interested in going into the military, but you never know the long term thing down the road mm-hmm. that he that he may uh, he may enjoy it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's um. I think that a lot of kids that are trying to get into, I say kids, you know, we're not much older than them. Reality check guys that call us old. Um, you know, it's it's going to be very uh, hard to transition from people that are established in the industry right now because not many people are mine and Micah's age, right? Um, we're kind of the stepping stone into the next part of the journey. Yeah. But there's going to be a huge age gap between people that are established now to the next generation coming in. Oh yeah, and they're they're not getting trained enough to be able to come into this with the with the core values and the and the um, the networks to to world work on that. There's a lot of uh, I guess you would call them like garage rappers mm. that do it like a part time or like a little side thing. Mm-hmm. That I see a lot of people like on Instagram, like Facebook and stuff. They I don't really know how to... It's like they're, they're trying too hard. Like, there's too flashy, too much stuff going on with, like, their designs or whatever. They need to learn how to take it one step at a time. They're trying to go from knowing nothing to knowing everything overnight. That isn't the way this business works. He's the prime example. He's done it the right way. And not because he's my son, but because he has done it the right way. 
when I'm down in Florida, which I spend a lot of time down there, and then he's showing me pictures of the, hey, look what I did. How do you, what do you think of this? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like right there. Like, <laughs> there's a full custom Dorado painted blank. That's yeah, that is beautiful, though. Spray painted by hand. You know, it's all sp- done by spray paint. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's done that. Everybody does it, but they, like, hydro dip everything. That's actual full-on He actually did paint. it by hand. Yeah. Right. So, is that is that you coming up with that design, or did someone request that? No, we came up with we, it. I, I came up with it with my buddy that's an artist, but uh-huh. uh, that's the first time we've ever done a full painted custom blank. Because what we've, like seen, bef- we've seen guys do... Dr- and we can do wahoo, yellowfin, calicos. Yellowtail? And yellowtail. Yellowtail is kind of a boring one because it's, <laughs> it's not a very flashy fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> great eating and great and strong to catch, but not a flashy fish. But yeah, fish. Like, I think on that wall I have a wahoo skin painted also up there. But it's. it's I see a Rasta one too. Yeah, yeah. Rasta. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's my baby. <laughs> I, lo- I love being from down on the islands, everything's Rasta down in Key West. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's the thing that that is going to deter a lot of younger guys or girls even because I know some girl rod wrappers. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get rich doing this. You just can't. If you had to charge what building that rod is worth, people couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. So that you've got to you've got to understand. You can make a decent living. But you're not going to get rich. And f- well, you might get famous, but you're not going to get rich. Mm-hmm. So that's oh. where that's at. Like, did you um, model your style off of any um, person or any... Um... <clears throat> yes, I did. Yeah. I used to live in Simi Valley, California. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody knows where that's at. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, that's where I had my first store in the San Fernando Valley in Chatsworth. Okay. And I had a guy... I knew how to wrap rods then, but I was too busy running the store, so I had a highway patrolman neighbor that wrapped rods on the side for, to make extra money. So he did them for the store for me, and he was by far my biggest inspiration. He taught me so many just little nitpicky things to save time. Mm-hmm. And to make things look good, he learned me. He learned me how to, instead of using a burnishing tool to burnish your thread, use a, use the the ring, use the handle part of your scissors to burnish with. Mm. Oh, okay. Made a difference, like night and day. Just little things like that. Huh. He just he was so good at it, and uh, yeah, I owe I owe a ton to him, a ton. So it was. You know, I've learned from a lot of different people. You know, gosh. Yeah. Michael, let's start with you. Um, all-time favorite rod. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's a rain shadow. It's a 80M. It's 8 foot, 20 to 50. Okay. I I like that one. I don't know why. I just, just like it. Wrap a ton. Fish to the ton. What are you using it for? Like yellowtail. Okay. It's pretty much, yeah, yellowtail. So yellowtail is the common theme in, yes. in your family. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't like, you know, I want to catch, you know, a 300-pound bluefin, but right. I do, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have that same attitude. But and, I, yeah. and I love calico fishing. Oh. oh. 
I was I wrote down a bass rod as on my notes, and we can that's a whole nother discussion. But Monty, how about you? Favorite rod? <clears throat> All time. This could be anything. Yeah. Ooh, there's two of them that I really like. Oh, I have another one. Calstar came out a long time ago with an 900H. Yeah. It's rated 30 to 60. Hmm. I have nine of those with nine Tranks 500s on them. Oh, my gosh. And about every, about every pound test you can think of on, on the whole thing. Uh-huh. And then, I got, then you go to the Calstar 100J. Oh, wow. And the 90J, which is 90s, 90 foot, 100s, 10 foot. Mm -hmm. Those two are fiberglass. The 900H from Calstar is a graphite. But I love the graphites on the... But even on those big rods, I still have my Tranxes on them. So, yeah, that's my favorites. Okay. I'm, I'm a long rod freak. I will die a long rod freak. I was, you know, cut up my t jig sticks and put them in my coffin with me. You know? <laughs> what what better place to come down to and get yourself a real jig stick? One, you know, made by some some really um, long time artisans of that. You know, like this is the place to come and talk to someone about I, it. Yeah, I'm no, I'm known for jig sticks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just I'm just known for it. Micah, you had one more. <coughs> you, you had you remembered oh, something? Oh, the 900H also. All right. Said. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Awesome. Guys, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate hosting us. Hey, we in can't your quit shop now. I'm just getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you back on. Yeah. yeah. Anytime. Part two. Yeah. Yeah. I have part two. I have had a ball, guys. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I've yeah. had a ball. It's been it's, an absolute pleasure. You know, people are really, they don't, they don't, if they don't come into here long enough or uh, come into a custom rod building environment frequently, they don't have any clue as to how much thought goes behind building a rod for them. Let me tell you something real quick. Yeah. I don't know whether you're still here. No, no, we're here. Go for it. I'm going to say 99% of the guys, 90%, let's say, 90% of the guys that come in here, and this is not meant as to degrade anybody or anything, don't have a clue what they want. Mm -hmm. They just don't. That's the reason we're here. You know? Is it the guys that think that they know? Oh, everybody but, thinks they know. Yeah. But a guy will come in and say, he'll have it written down on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I want two rain shadow 70Ms. They're rated 20 to 50. And I'll go, and again, the first thing we ask, what are you going to use them for? Mm -hmm. Oh, the big blue fin tuna. <laughs> um, no, you want 70. The smallest one they make is a 70 double XH. Mm -hmm. Not a 70 M. <laughs> that, you need, that's like four times the power yeah. that just jumped right there. And they go, so we, we take as much time as it takes mm -hmm. to explain things to them. We don't hurry through it. I want them to understand it mm -hmm. because they're paying their hard-earned money. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And he's coming in here asking for something that I know that if he goes out there and tries to hook into a 200-pound bluefin is going to tie that rod in knots, mm -hmm. if not break it. So it's just, just, I love, to me, one of the best part of the business is educating the people on what to use. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's something that's dear to my heart. And and your shut your your shop is set up to where you know people could come in and have meaningful conversations 
with you and Micah and, and everyone else uh, about rods and rod building and all that and really kind of customize. You know what's been one thing about this shop? that I don't think there's another shop in this town. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a shop anywhere that does what we do here. Mm-hmm. We're wrapping right in front of you when you come in. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else that does that. Yeah, a lot of people think we're a tackle shop, but we're mostly a rod shop first that has some, some tackle. tackle in it. Uh-huh. So We make our living off rods, not tackle. We just have tackle. And people are surprised when they come in. They're like, oh, you have jigs, you have hooks, you have, you know. Right. Hook Poppers, bait. stick yeah. baits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. whatever. I'm seeing this jig while I'm kind of getting excited. Yeah, OCT's up here, you know. We got, yeah. you know, there's Taddy. It's, and I'm, there's... Just, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed at the moment there's so many blank spots, but it's only because we just can't get stuff. I was going to say, I don't think that's that's your fault, though. No, no. <laughs> it's not, but people always look at it like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. So when someone comes in your shop, um, one last thing for me, when someone comes in your shop, what's the best advice you can give them uh, when when they're listening on for this podcast and all that before they even walk in the door what kind of is it preferred just to kind of go do research to kind of get you in the ballpark of what you want or is it just best to come on down and kind of explain and talk it through it's best to come down and talk mm-hmm. i mean a guy that's well versed in the, f- the fishing the way we do here in southern california mm-hmm. or in my case in southern florida it's 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 fine. Guy knows what he wants. Comes in, we write it up. He's gone in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it works with some guys. That's not the norm. Yeah. That's not the norm. Most guys, they know what they want. They just don't know what to ask for. Interesting. Because we're going to ask all kinds of questions. Right. I mean, we're going to start out. Number one, Mike has said it earlier. What are you going to fish for? Yeah. And the guy says, I want something to fish from calicos to bluefin tuna. I'm sorry, dude, it ain't happening. That's, that's no a wide variety. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think one, there's one rod that can yeah. do everything. That. Everybody thinks that there's one, not everybody, but yeah. newbies to the sport mm-hmm. think that one rod can do everything. Well, mm-hmm. in, in effect, it can. You could use a rod for a 200-pound tuna to catch a calico. It probably wouldn't be very much fun. But, right. But you, you want to leave the sport and sport fishing. Yeah. That's what I try to get across to people. Leave the sport and sport fishing. These guys didn't talk to me about that, did they? (laughs) (laughs) I've been using recently, just to go off on my own experience, I've been really trying to find a great popping setup. And my new popping setup is about 8 foot 5. And it has a Hypalon foregrip 8 inch to a trigger. Um, that Fuji heavy-duty trigger, and I'm putting a Tranks 500 on it. But last year, I caught 140 on uh, Gut and Guild in the uh, processor on a Cousins 858 that I just had randomly laying around. Um, absolutely smoked a 140 on it, and it changed my opinion because it's it was not necessarily the rod. It was the braid. It was the heavy-duty leader. It was the real. There was a lot of stuff going into it that was made, made it possible. Not fun, I will tell you. No, it's not. And catching big <laughs> it, fish. But it was fun to me. Fun. <laughs> yeah. I had a great time, but I don't think it's for everyone. But it's like, you know, you, you talked about popping. Mm-hmm. The whole key to popping is getting those poppers as far away from the boat as you can. Right. Mm-hmm. 
that's the key. The only way you do that's with, to my in my opinion, is nine foot or longer. And getting ready for the pain. And get ready yeah. for the, and get ready to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> because that because that rod you're gonna catch you you might hook a two three hundred pound tuna, on a popping rod, but you're not gonna lay that rod on the rail, because it'll break it in two seconds. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're gonna sit there and hold this thing for the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> So, Monty, are you going back to Key West anytime soon, or are you sticking around? I'm going back sometime in August. Okay, so you'll be here for the summer. I'll be here for a little while, for about two and a half months yet. Okay, cool. Then so I, then I gotta go back down there for the holidays this year. Oh, okay, excellent, excellent. I've never spent a Christmas in Key West, so my wife gave in to me this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, guys. This has been excellent. I know we really didn't even scratch the surface on rod building and all that stuff, but... Well, we like, could go on and on and on. I know. Well, like Kevin said, we'll have to, we'll have to come back for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. please. please. Yeah. Let's, let's make it a regular thing. I like this. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. The, excellent. The, the other one that um, Chris will probably get you in touch with is our good buddy Darren. He would probably be welcome to come down here, too, and it's a, it's a very good, a little bit more open format. So you can go a little bit more wild there. (laughs) (laughs) It's your weird story. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That was already kind of like rated X there. But if you guys guys want me to do rods and pubic hair. (laughs) It's been done. It can be done. (laughs) I'm an expert at it. I didn't do the shaving, though. Oh. Oh my gosh! Well, guys, this has been great. Thank you so much for being uh, for being on the podcast here. Uh, one more time, how do we get in contact with you? How do our listeners get a rod from Eminem Custom Rods? Micah, you 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 go. You answer that one. You can call the shop. It's six one nine seven nine eight three three seven nine, or follow us on Instagram. It's at MM Rods, and then look search us on Facebook. It's Eminem Custom Fishing Rods, mm-hmm. and then that's. That's it. Their Instagram is really great for learning oh, about their the variety best. of projects they've done, and, and I think that's a great, good starting point. Absolutely. I'm the first one to admit that our website needs a lot of updating. It's old, 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 mm-hmm. old. But we've been so busy, we just haven't had any time to do anything with it. Hey, but you're making up for it on Instagram. Micah, you're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, it's loaded. Micah, fully Micah loaded. Micah does well. Micah yeah. Does well. It's got a lot of information. Great ideas for projects to get a baseline of what they might want for wraps, wrap mm-hmm. colors. Um, I would say definitely lean on you guys for blank choices. That's, like, got to be the number one thing for people to come down here and rely that's on the you hardest guys. Thing, that's the hardest thing for people to pick mm-hmm. is what blank. Because, But the nice thing that we do here... We let you handle it. We let you bend on it. Do whatever you want. If you want to take it outside in the parking lot and whip it around, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be happy with what you get. Yeah, absolutely. And people think uh, custom, too, like it's going to be pricey. It can be, mm-hmm. but sometimes we're right at a factory wrap price or even, you know, sometimes 50 75 bucks cheaper. It, guy, all, it, yeah. all, uh, it all depends. I had on a guy come want. in this afternoon and order United Blank. Our United Custom Rod mm-hmm. from United Composites, and I gave him a price, and uh, it was five hundred seventy-five bucks. He goes, "Excellent price, excellent price." But then you'll get the guy that goes, "I can't afford that." Mm-hmm. Okay, then when that happens, then we go, "Okay." I don't like telling people to downscale on the quality of their components and stuff. But that's one way you can cheapen it up if you want to. Mm-hmm. Now, if a guy's only fishing once a year, 
probably not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But if a guy fishes five or six times during the summertime for these big bluefin, I suggest you pay the pay the piper. Yeah. And get the good stuff. It'll be worth it. Yeah, in the long run. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Kevin, I'm going to go uh, order my uh, 10-foot jig stick now. Yeah, I saw you writing notes the whole time they were doing yeah. this, going, yeah, I want this, you know, and that. And So yeah. now now you're going to have to go and hunt for one of these uh, 900 Hs that uh, have been, been talked about now. Yep. Well, thanks, guys, for tuning in. As always, we have great guests. Uh, thank you, Monty and Micah, for giving us your time and your, all the knowledge that you've been definitely dropping on us. It's been amazing to hear. I'm sure that we'll be back. Our listeners, they're going to take away tons from this. And uh, every single week we have great ca- great guests, you know. Um, but one thing that's always in common is that every single one of these people that we interview is always an advocate for the future and conservation. We really encourage we really encourage everyone to become a member of CCA, whether you're a longtime listener of us and you haven't done it yet, or you're brand new to the sport. It's always good to join us and make sure that your future in sport fishing is secured by becoming a member, growing our sport, helping out the next generation become more involved. Absolutely. Can well I say said. one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a big shout out to Wayne Cotto. Mm-hmm. This guy is a phenomenal man. He's a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, we drink a lot of beer in Key West together. <laughs> <laughs> but there's nobody that fights harder for our rights as fishermen than that man. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you want to name. He's there for all of us. I can vouch for that. So, if, like... Join CCA and support it. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Well said. Well, guys, thank you so much again. This uh, this has been fun. We definitely will be back for sure. Right on. Yep. Thank for you. Sure. Guys, thank you so much for listening to us. Once again, go follow us on Instagram at CCA California. Give us a follow. And um, also subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. We will see you guys next week.